0: Good morning. My name is Willie, and I'm a member of Al-Anon. And it is good to be here, and I do thank Anne-Marie and Deborah for asking me to share with you this morning. Um, We had talked about a couple of things, and then when they finally uh, settled on attitude of gratitude, and I thought... I wish I'd gone some more of Hal Marley's uh, early morning talks, because you remember those of you who remember him, that was always the thing that he talked about early in the morning uh, at each IDAA, me- eight IDAA meeting. Um, you know, I have thought about gratitude a lot since this, and I think gratitude is a spiritual thing. I think it's deeper than thank you. I think For me, I thank people, you you know, people rather than, and with gratitude, I thank whatever is that power within me, whatever that power that guides me wherever I need to go. So I think it, for me, it's a spiritual thing rather than just an intellectual or personal thing. Um, I do have a lot to be grateful for. One of the things that I'm most grateful for is my husband. We met back in 1956, uh, 1953, and um, I was working at, uh, uh, on a surgical ward at Duke Hospital, and he was a surgical resident that was just coming back from the Army, and was I saw him walking down the hall one day, and I thought, oh my gosh, who was that? And the ward secretary knew who it was, and we talked about it. And that was sort of the end of that. Then we, and a couple of weeks later, we met taking care of a patient. I won't exactly bore you with exactly what happened to the patient and, and how embarrassing it was that I had sort of misdiagnosed the whole thing and gotten upset about things. But anyway, and then after that, a couple of weeks later, he asked me out. And from then on, we were together almost every night. And six months later, we were married. And that sort of alcoholic behavior, I guess. Now I can <laughs> I can tell you that alcohol was a part of our life before we got married. Alcohol was part of our life after we got married for the next twenty five years, and we had some good times and we had some times that were not very pleasant. Um, I'm not a drinker. Never have been. I tried it. I got drunk. I decided it's not for me. And I just am not a drinker. So it was not hard for me to give it up when uh, to to even think about not drinking when he stopped drinking. But anyway, there were blackouts before our marriage, there were blackouts afterwards. There were embarrassing moments before, embarrassing moments afterwards. But somehow it sort of blindsided me that there was any problem there, that everything would somehow be okay. Prior to that, I had never dated anyone that drank when we were together. You know, it was just something that wasn't done. Even in nursing school, when I dated uh, fellows that were members of fraternities, if we went to fraternity parties, You know, I'd have a soda or something, and they would too. You know, I'm sure that once they took me home... See, we had to be home by 10.30. So when when they took me home, I'm sure they went back, and they probably did, you know, drink all they wanted to at that time. But it was sort of, in my opinion, a respect thing. But when this happened, you know, it just, you know, it just was not a big issue. One thing um, I think was that it was a different it was a social setting that much of this took place you know, you get dressed up in in pretty dresses. You go shopping for something that's really going to be nice, and so that people will like what you're wearing and that type of thing. You drink out of prettier glasses. You know, it's not just drinking out of the bottle or out of paper cups, or that happens at picnics and things like that. But but when you go to cocktail parties, it was just totally different. It was a social occasion, and I love people. And you know, so I went because people were there, and I had thoroughly good time, even though other people were drinking and i didn't we had several occasions you know when like when um we went to medical meetings away from home and i remember one particular in um uh, atlantic city and all the fellows that we knew from very from either uh, at duke or from around the country that we had met in medical meetings we were there with and i was the only wife and I just sorta of went where they went, whether it was the, the the bar or to the to a nightclub, wherever it was. And you know, I, I never was a party poop. I always just enjoyed going wherever we went. But you know, I can tell you that that we have had a lot there's been a lot more good than bad that's happened in our marriage and, and we've both grown so much, I think, since we found out what was really going on. Um we uh finished he finished the residency in 1956 and we went to the eastern shore of maryland to live i loved it i thought it was just the nicest place it was small and there were a lot of friendly people and you know the medical community was very friendly and and it was just you know you felt at home so soon and that went very well um we uh, but then we did our first geographic cure after two years and i was telling somebody uh, not long ago, every place we've left i've left in tears, I go and I make friends wherever we go, and then when we leave there, I leave in tears and so you know, I find that people with people wherever we go and and we find happiness i find happiness wherever we go too. We did several of these geographic cures um i, I before I get into all of that we you know we it, we finally realized that we weren't going to be able to birth children so we decided to adopt a child we adopted our first child in um 1958 uh he was four months old at the time and uh precious child i mean absolutely precious child and has given us so much given us a lot of joy um later uh we adopted a little girl and then after that two more little boys so we have four children and uh you know, I always, and I've told them, you know, I have never doubted that they were ours. I just think they came to us a different way. I've never looked at them as somebody else's child. Albeit, you know, I'm certainly grateful that they, they were birthed and that somehow they were guided to us. And, uh, that's just my opinion about that. But, you know, we did several geographic cures. We uh, later went to Baltimore. The, the first time we went to Baltimore, and we were there for nine years. And um, I'm really sort of a small-town girl, so it was okay. But, um, we, again, we lived in this community, but it was sort of like a small town anyway. We enjoyed that. A lot of good things happened. And um, then later we went to Tampa. And then later we went down to Naples, where we've lived now since 1971. And all these places, you know, the same type of lifestyle, the same thing happened. Because of this, um, because of his uh, positions in medicine and everything, we, we have been able to travel a lot. There are places I never would have gone. I had opportunities that I never would have had. Uh, I've met people that I never would have met. And so a lot of good came out of that. And then when we um, got to Naples, though, the disease had progressed all this time. Um, When we got to Naples and getting settled in, and I had talked from, you know, everybody that goes to Florida gets a real estate license. That's just a given. (laughs) So so we um, when we were in Tampa, I started my first class in real estate. And then, when we got to Naples, I did the others and got my license and I really didn't want to work, but you see, I had this fear we had the, the, we were not really uh, that we all would ha- we would have four children in college at the same time. That was one of my things. I just thought, well we're just not going to be able to do this, and so I 'll get a job well mind you i I wouldn't be able to support us even if we were living in low income housing of <laughs> what I made, mean, but nevertheless, I did that, and I think that that probably is when life started falling apart more um I think it was I used to call it super glue, probably it was a controlling behavior that I was um able to um hold things together pretty much. Uh, but when I started working, I never wanted to work. And I just got this license, justice, and insurance thing. But this one broker says, I will sponsor you if you'll work for me. So, you know, the self-esteem I had, I thought, well, sure. I never argued with her to say, no, I'm not going to work. I don't want to work. But if I ever do, then I will work for you. But anyway, when I started working things started falling apart i see i thought everybody was going to pitch in i thought the children would pitch in and say well mama's busy so we're going to be able to you know do this and that we'll help with the housework we'll help with the cooking we'll do this we'll do that well no not like duh and, and i thought my husband would uh say well yeah sure you know come on now let's pitch in and help but mind you he'd never done that much but I thought that he would, you know, come to the fore and say, well, mom is working, and so let's got to do this. And I, and I went away to a couple of um, courses, uh, you know, to get my li- broker's license and then to mortgage broker's license and stuff. So I was out of time for long weekends on two or three occasions, and I thought everything was going to be taken care of very well. Well, you see, in the meantime, he's a surgeon, was a surgeon at that time, and guess what they've got nurses there and they've got nurses that won't doctors there and so you know that's this whole relationship started and the most painful thing in my whole life when I found out that that was happening my life really that was my bottom that was when I really and truly crashed and was able to there were certain things again that fell in my path that, you know, could only have happened through the goodness of whatever's in the universe. I mean, lessons to learn and, and guidance and, and that type of thing. It was, I'm, I'm really grateful that when we were able, when I was finally able to tell somebody what was really going on in our lives. Our next, the youngest child was his scapegoat. It was a challenge, anyway, but he was my husband's scapegoat, and he ended up with a lot of problems, and I was searching for answers for him, and he ended up in a psychiatric hospital in Miami, something that I really had not investigated because I thought he was really going to um, a school that was for children with learning disabilities and that needed special attention and all that. Anyway, he came home from there, and uh there was a child psychiatrist in Naples that we were able to uh ask to see him, and she did and you know albeit she didn't know a thing about um i shouldn't say a thing she didn't know very much about addiction, and she really didn't know enough to tell me what was going on anyway. But she was good. She listened to me, and she was the support that I needed at the time. Um, and one day, I had talked to our oldest son, and because you know things were really getting pretty bad, and I, so I wanted to tell all the children what was happening and that what might happen. So I went up to Gainesville. Our oldest son was in college at the time, and I went up and I said, Tom. You know, I really don't know what's going to happen, but Dad's seeing somebody else, and, you know, things aren't good, and and I don't know whether we'll stay together or not. And he said, Mom, I don't want to tell you. He said, The only thing I can tell you is love Dad with your heart and not with your head. And I thought from an 18-year-old, that was pretty, pretty good advice. And So I said, I, I just wish that there was somebody that I could talk to about what's really going on. I said, the problem is that dad's drinking too much. And that's what his, what, you know, is, is so bad. And he said, and I said, but I can't tell anybody about it. He said, mom, you have to tell somebody. If you don't, dad's gonna die. And I think that he probably would have. I really think that he probably would have died. One of the things that he did tell me um, back one time when we could talk pretty, communicate pretty well. um, My husband said, you know, the one thing that I like with being with her is she doesn't tell me how much I drink and how fat I am. And I said, if you're happy with that lifestyle, I'll never say anything else again. And. And that worked. You know, that was, I mean, that was detachment for me. I knew not what detachment was, but that was detachment. And so, we, um I did tell Pat one day, the psychiatrist, I did tell her what was really going on and why, what I thought was Robert's problem and what was in, what was going on in our marriage and everything. And she said, well, let me talk to him. You, you can't believe the terror that I felt because, you know, he had always said, you tell anybody and I'm out of here. You know, and that's what I was so afraid of. So he, when she said, let the next time he's in here, don't worry about the next time he's in here, you just stay out in the waiting room and I'll call him in and, and talk with him about it. And he was very receptive. I didn't realize just how, how willing, how anxious he was to do something about his life. But anyway, uh she did ask him to see another psychiatrist that she would not be able to to see him as well as our son and again i think it was something that i uh, just was the right thing and she he suggest he went to see this one there were about three or four psychiatrists in naples at that time and he went to see one that gratefully knew a little bit about alcohol and he first started him on an abuse and he became allergic to that, and so that didn't work. And then it was a slip and a slide and a slip and a slide. And until finally the doctor said, you know, I really can't do this myself. You're going to have to go away to a residential program. And there was only, you know, at that time there were very, very few in um, that we knew of anyway. And a lot of them were up north, and he was having a problem with this uh, neuropathy in his fingers, and he wasn't able to, he didn't want it. it when his hands got cold, it was so painful. So he wanted to stay somewhere south. And, you know, it's the, I don't know. It was, it was the place for us. He went to Palm Beach Institute in Palm Beach, Florida. And they had a family program. Now, you see, he didn't want me to have any part of it at that time because he thought that I was so controlling, and he didn't want me to have any part of his life then, and I certainly wasn't going to tell them how to run his life and so on and on and on. But anyway, that was his perception, I think. I don't know that I was that bad, but after he'd been there for a couple of weeks, he said, you know, I really do think it would be nice if you could come over. And they had the families come in. There was a six-weeks program, and they had the families come in the last two weeks. We were fortunate enough at that time when I did go into the program uh, to uh, to Palm Beach that we had there was a couple there, Sid and Jan, that really were very good for us to talk to. Um, I must tell you that I did most of the talking. And I can remember sitting in their office with the two of them, and my husband was in there, too. And I don't know whether you've all, any of you have ever done it or not, but, you know, to to get rid of that pain, the, the, the sobbing, the gut-wrenching sobbing of getting that pain up, and it was like opening a you know the old-fashioned boil you know like when i was a kid and you'd have a boil and it's was like opening that and all the corruption would come out that's what was coming out from the the things that i had been stuffing for so long and and it was a healing thing now they told me that uh he couldn't stay sober if this if this affair continued and i I guess foolishly sort of agreed, but yet I told him it's like an alcoholic. You rub their nose in a wine cork long enough, they're going to drink again. And I knew that when he went back, and that same nurse was scrubbing and all that, that that sooner or later. But the one thing I'm really grateful for with, with him is that he came back and started going to local AA meetings. It was through that that gave me the okay within myself to go to al-anon i don't know that i had enough self-esteem at that time that i and assertiveness that i would have gone to al-anon had he not gone to aa but it was when i found al-anon that i really started healing that emptiness that i had got all that stuff that had come out there was a hole then that i could fill with good stuff and i think that's what al-anon did for me to find out that i was powerless and i find out that there were people that I could talk to and that would understand what I was saying. I never talk about situations at a meeting. And that sometimes out of a meeting I might share with somebody what was really going on. But I remember talking about the fear. You know, that was one of the topics that was discussed a lot. And we had this little lady that, that used to tell me, Willie, faith is the opposite of fear. Faith is the opposite of fear. And it helped me, that helped me so much. But all the steps were just, um, you know, we did a lot of um, topics on steps and and so forth at that time. And Naples was smaller, and we only had five Al-Anon meetings. I went to all of those. I went to um, open AA meetings. They had an open AA discussion meeting on Sunday morning. I went to that. Um there were lots of things that came in our past. See, I, and this I know is on gratitude, but but I hope you're hearing, you know, that that all of these things that happened that I'm so grateful for, because it didn't happen because we did something. It happened because somehow we were guided into doing something. And I think there is a difference. And so we went to a lot of uh, conventions. We went to um, uh, retreats. Um, there were there were a lot of things that that we did. Even though that affair was still going on, I remember going to him one time and saying, "You know, I know it's not over, but I do know that step one says I'm powerless, and I know there's not a thing I can do about it. I had done everything I know to do, and I I'm really not ashamed to tell you, but I don't know that you're really interested. But I I found this woman two or three times." And I weighed about 100, between 100 and 105, and, honey, I was like a mad tiger. I mean, I beat the hell out of her one night. And I want you to know she was right back the next morning doing the same thing. I mean, it didn't stop a bit. I mean, if that is an insanity, I don't know what is. So anyway, but eventually, you know, eventually it was over, and... You know, life has gotten better all the time. Um, as I said, the first 25 years of our marriage was um, uh, alcohol was involved. The uh, next 25 years, gratefully, it hasn't been. The big Five O is coming up in October, and we're that's a real milestone. So, anyway that's sort of what it what things happened in our life and you know coming to IDAA has been a tremendous help there have been so many people from around the country again that we've met that have been so important to us and and hearing you share your experience strength and hope and to know that we're not alone and to, and and it's uh the the friendships and though we don't stay in touch a lot except now that the cyber group is in we do stay in touch with that uh with various people but but, um, you know, I'm not a letter writer. I, I always have good intentions, but they fall by the wayside a lot of times. Another thing I did want to share with you is, uh, that's happened good in my life are mentors. I've had so many experiences, wonderful people that have crossed my path. My first one was my mother. She probably was one of the dearest people that I could have ever had as a parent. My daughter was good to me also, but my mother was more of a mentor. And I remember as I was growing up, and people would say, Willie Gray, you look so much like your mother. And I said, but if I could just be like her. So she was, she was just a really, really wonderful lady. And when she died at 80, when she was 80 years old, she left her suddenly one night, and it left a tremendous hole. But having all the memories of her had been just you know something that I know a lot of people don't have, and I have been so tremendously blessed with that. Another person that was a good good mentor for me was my mother in law. She was you know sort of different. she uh was Irish Catholic um, she was educated as a commercial teacher and um she was very organized and very precise and she you know and all that. But she 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 was just a wonderful influence. She came to live with us um when she was eighty two years old and she lived with us for 12 years. And without Alan on, we, I never, never could have done that. I asked her to come down, not, not Lundy, but I asked her to come down because, you know, I do feel like that when parents have given so much to raising their children and garden them in such good ways that they deserve to be cared for as they grow older. And, and I know that there are a lot of people that think, well, you know, I have my life to live in this, but you know, I really thought my life was surely to help take care of her, and it, it worked out just fine. She did decide to leave uh, to go to an assisted care when uh, after the twelve years, and then she uh, died about a year later. but uh, her influence in my life has been tremendous. Another person was the um, wife of the uh, professor um, of Surgery at Duke. That woman was the most amazing woman I think I've ever known uh, in in that type of setting. She knew everybody's name all the residents she knew their wives and you know I was a you know just a little girl from from uh Eastern North Carolina small time where you know we church and school was the main thing wasn't much of a fancy social life and you know having to fit into all of that was but she she always remembered my name and and even years later and she was just the the neatest lady and she died just a few years ago but but she's just you know perfect for the for the wife of uh, the professor anyway and then another one was the the wife of the dean at university of maryland she was a, a wonderful lady too. So my life has been blessed with people, and then all the friends, you know, our age group, you know. I guess I'm eclectic at heart, uh, and I see this that I like. and I'd I be able to do that, and I see something else I'm doing, and I, you know. So, in many ways, I am eclectic, but um, but that's okay. That's who I am. But it's and then you know another person and I, I know many of you know her was Jerry Delaney. Jerry used to come down to Naples in January every year to uh on a vacation and she was just you know, she as a matter of fact our youngest child went up to be with her at Alina Lodge for a year and a half. It didn't work, but nevertheless and my husband says, you know, waste of money and i said no 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 no! it gave us time to get to know each other gave us time to heal gave us time to recover and i think that's what it did for us because you know as we recover and i had a friend one time that was in counseling up in up north and um she said Willie, the disease of alcoholism is progressive, but so is recovery. And she says, as your children see you and your husband recovering, they will begin to feel better too. And that really has worked. So, so those are some of the people that were mentors. Another thing that, that I have to be grateful for is my growth in spirituality. You know, I've always believed in a God of whatever understanding it was at that time in my life. And, I, um, we, I was raised Methodist. And then when, when our children came along, I had really thought that all, everybody ought to go together to church as a family. And so I converted Catholic and we all, you know, were able to go to church together doing the same thing, thinking the same way, and that type of thing. But then later on, uh, actually it was my husband's decision to change, uh, after he got sober. And we started going to another church. And it was exactly what I needed to enhance this program. It was where they talked more about spirituality than fear and sin and guilt and, you know, things like that. It was more growth. And and so I've grown tremendously in my spirituality over what I was 25 years ago. And I... um um, I guess that 's about the about the growth in in spirituality my, my, my concept of this power greater myself greater than myself is really totally different than it was at that time. As I say, we went to a lot of seminars. We went to a lot of retreats. We went to various places. One of the places that we went, that I thought was just the neatest thing, neatest place, and it helped me. I don't think it. I don't think maybe he enjoyed it as much as I did, but was when we went to Statesboro to Willingway to their couples week, and they're the only people I know of that have in their recovery program, um, treatment program, um, a couples week. And we were in this home where the Muneas first started out in. And um, you, you can't believe they had all these bedrooms. That had, there was, I guess about five, six couples there. But then they had this help that fixed dinner every night. And I remember one night we had quail. And, I mean, fried quail. and It was so good. But at breakfast you had the choice of what you were going to eat. I mean, it was just like being in a, a um, real a hotel or something I mean they just took care of you so well and then they had people, the counselors there and that type of thing that would help you through it. I keep trying to tell Al that they've got to start this again and maybe someday they might I don't know but uh, he he agrees with me, it just hasn't happened yet Um, I tell you a lot of these things because as I look back I can see how my life has been so blessed how I have grown so and, you know, I've gotten through all of these things, uh, but you know, it's really been through a power greater than I. I didn't recognize it at the time. But I can see, I remember when I first found out about the affair and I cried and I cried and I'd go to church in the morning and I'd light a candle and I'd pray, please let it be over, please let it be over. And I know today that if it was over, if I had directed it and it was over when I wanted it to be, I would never become a person inside that I feel like I have become today. But I think the pain was a was just a you know i wouldn't i would not have told you then but uh i think the the pain was a tremendous help in god and me to feel better and realizing that that this god of my understanding was doing that and i i've told some people and i my husband heard this too as i said i told him one time i said you know i really think i've been through a lot and i um but I've come out reasonably sane, and he says, you're just in denial. So. <laughs> but it's sort of like, you know, I remember back in a, one of the plays I did that um, I took part in back in high school, and it was one line that every every old, everyone has a right to his own opinion, as the old lady said, when she kissed the cow. So anyway that <laughs> he has a right to his opinion but as long as I feel good and you know we do try to keep a sense of humor we really do and the other day we were out walking and I, I had my watch set on um eastern standard eastern daylight time because I, I always subtract and add whatever zone I'm in and I said you know you can put that on your little we need to get you you can be grateful that I really know how to, how to subtract. And he's, so I said, well maybe we better get you a scratch pad and we write down all those things that, about me that, for which you should be grateful. <laughs> we, I find it easy, you know, when we're in modes like that, moves like that, to just give him a kiss and a hug you know it, it's still so easy to do even after 50 years and you know that it's not that every day i all day i feel like that sometimes i think mm. but you know it is good to keep that sense of humor it is good to touch and it's good to kiss so anyway um so those are the some of the things as i look back that i have had to be grateful for um I do know uh it was when Mama died, I was sixty years old, and I realized that I had more years. i mean I obviously always knew, but it really I think hit me hard more clearly that I had more years behind me than I have ahead of me and you know, and there will be life happening as a matter of fact, it did and I said. But, you know, if I can just remember what, Claire, what Clara said, faith is the opposite of fear. If I can just remember that when I get fearful that there is a power greater than I that can walk with me, guide me, hold me, whatever needs to be until I can get through it and get stand up and be strong again. And um, let's see. Um, I, I told him this morning, I said, you know, I sure I'll finish and I'll say, God, I was going to say this and why didn't I say that? And I know i probably run out of time, uh, there are a lot that, that you have to share together, but one of the, as I talk about the, uh, you know, things that happen and so forth, it reminds me of what Jared Delaney used to say a lot when she was talking, she, when she was talking about needing the, God's help and so forth, and she's, her thing was, take my hand, it's best that way, I know, because if I take yours, instead of you taking mine, I might get frightened and let go and that's so true if i can just remember that that you know he has my hand wherever i need to be um another thing that uh years ago i read and i i, I tried to remember is um when i go to bed at night when morning comes and i face the day this dear lord is what i pray that when the same day turns, to day turns to gray, some child of yours might happier be, might find himself more close to thee, because I live this day. And I really like that, and I hope that, that somehow I can touch people and help people to get through this pain. Um, I do thank you. Um, Anne-Marie and Deborah for asking me to share and I thank all of you for being here and I look forward to seeing you in Orlando next year. So thanks.